Osh, there's someone in my house who's got a problem with a bottle, and that's just the way it is. That's a milk bottle, that is, because <laughs> Iona, she loves a pre-bedtime guzzle, but it's time to wean her off. And how much dairy is too much? And what if your little one is nailing eating food away from the house or at daycare, but when they come home, it's a different story? If you're stuck in this situation, there's answers for you today on Dad Pod. Hello and welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Charlie Clawson. He is Osher Ginsberg. We're just two dads in a big, wide world trying to do the best we can because there isn't a lot of great dad content out there. Osher, how are you? How has your dad week been? Oh, it's been a it's been a tough week, uh, Charlie, because uh, I'm I'm an old dad. I'm a geriatric, <laughs> geriatric. dad. Yep. I'm nearly nearly fifty. Well, if my wife went through a geriatric pregnancy, I'm a geriatric dad. So I'm nearly fifty. I've got a hip replacement, and my hip is being a bastard. Uh. Like the, I'm in a chronic pain scenario, which means that I'm kind of constantly cranky, which sucks, and that makes my tolerance for. Uh, unpredictability incredibly low, and it's it's starting to be a real a real pinch point. And I think I've got a lot in common with with Wolfie actually, because he's really really when he's up, he's just a million miles an hour. And then there's no, I might just slow down a bit. It's like a million miles an hour to boom, I'm fucked, I'm toast, I'm category five cyclone. I need to rest right now. There's no yeah. in between. Remember the other week we were talking about food refusal, how we were talking about he, he didn't want to kind of eat? Well, turns out that at daycare, he nails it. Mm. The daycare, they send us movies and, and, and photos and videos and stuff, and he's at mealtime with all the other kids around the table just spoon-feeding himself <laughs> and going for it and offering other kids, do you need some? Do you need some more? Eating all of his snacks, all his lunches. They give him extra portions. He just, just gets it into him. Pretty much the moment we walk through the sliding doors of the front of daycare, that wolfie vanishes yeah. and, you know, like I go to pick him up and A, he's massive. He's like this kind of little mulleted Sasquatch running around in, <laughs> you know, the, the, the daycare room. But at home, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm still stuffed, mate. It's just a self-perpetuating kind of thing. Like I don't understand. Like can't you be that kid you were four hours ago? Yeah. It was really like sometimes I'll pick him up at the if I get him a little later they give him just one more snack, and he'll like be just inhaling him. Can't talk, Dad. I'm eating an entire muffin as big as my fist. Mm. You know, just shoving it in his mouth and loving it. And I'll carry him down the stairs eating this muffin. But as soon as we get home, nah, 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 nah. And so I, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to remodel our house so it looks like his daycare. <laughs> well, it's like the sleep thing, isn't it? You know, we've we've talked in the past about how, like, you know, you won't get your kid to nap at home, but then in daycare, it must be something to do with the peer group. But I'll be interested to find out when we talk to Karina, our nutritionist, about is there a way? Because this is to me the concern with this kind of stuff about will they eat at home? Is I've got friends with kids who are a little older who have food aversions. There's certain things like at the moment Iona eats everything, but will she start to develop habits or will things start to come in now where she doesn't want to eat or she'll only eat at certain places? Like it sounds like Wolfie's doing. And are there tactics you can get to make a kid like enjoy meal time? You know, like how do you make this a, a thing that they want to take part of? Like how do you make it fun for them? More like daycare. 
Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't want to get to a place like the only thing that Wolf will eat is the cheese toast at Sizzler because <laughs> A, that would be expensive and B, hard to find. I don't think there's any Sizzlers left. No, that's right. <laughs> which would also make it a little more more difficult. But you know what I mean? Yes, like, and 100%. I get, like when we were kids, I understand. Mum had four boys. She was doing it by herself. I understand why pizza from like the delivery person was easy. Oh, my God. Because we would just eat it. Yeah. It was not calorically you know, good or nutritionally good, but like, it's just, it's food, it's in you. Great. Mm. I have four tons of laundry to do before I have to get up and do another 12 hour shift. Yeah. <laughs> and so I understand. I understand why my mum did that. How's Iona going this week? Uh, look, we are in the process of trying to wean Iona off the bottle. I think about five or six months ago, we actually started the process. And then when sleep regression happened, we panicked and went back to the bottle because it's just... It's so much easier. It's, you know, it's this psychological sign to her that bedtime's coming. She chills out in her little teepee, you know, with her bunny light. And it's just like a sedative. It just calms her down. But she's getting to a point where, A, she's having dairy during the day, yogurt, cheese, things like that. And so she probably doesn't need this extra dose of, of dairy on top, but also getting her away from that attachment to the bottle. So I spoke to my babysitter and she said what she did was like she – started watering down her kids' uh, milk. Ah, right. And then you start reducing the amount of milk you give them. So it's a two-phase process where it's like less potent milk followed by less amounts of milk, and then eventually the bottle just goes away, which I thought was was brilliant. But, Osh, my daughter is a very smart, <laughs> perceptive little girl. Of course she is. She's your kid. She's the daughter of two brilliant people. And so uh, while I was getting her bottle ready, I didn't realize that she had wandered into the kitchen and she caught me red-handed watering down her water bottle. And she was not happy oh about it. Oh, my god! And I tried to pass it off as, oh, no, no. Because she knows is- what the tap is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows what the tap is. She knows that's not 100% pure. You know, like a like a Mexican drug cartel, she stuck her little finger into it and tasted it and was like, uh-uh, that is not. That's been cut. That's been cut with H2O. <laughs> Did she rub it on her gums? Yeah, she rubbed it on her gums. And she said, this is bullshit. That's not real Bongella, mate. Come on, that's not Bongella. And so she – and the thing about Ayana too with food is it's funny. She's a great kid in that she doesn't have any aversions or anything to food at the moment. She eats most things. But the one – uh, quirk she has is it has to be whole. Like, for instance, if she wants an apple, you better not slice up that apple. She wants the apple whole. You know, if you're going to give her some almonds, you've got to give her the packet of almonds so she can, you know, pick the uh, – and so with with milk, seeing me water it down, to her that was just like, no, like that's not the thing that I want. I want it, you know, straight from the source. So – she got so suspect on me that now, like when I'm doing bedtime, she's watching me like a hawk. <laughs> like she's in there. She won't leave my side to make sure. So I've had to sort of like go back to giving her the full bottle. But it's got to the stage now where I'm thinking, okay, I need a tactic here. Like we need to sort of switch it over. Like how do I do the old switcheroo where, because at one stage we had gone to the sippy cup and that's what she was having, a little sippy cup of milk. And it's like, okay, so do I just go to the sippy cup with milk in it and then at some stage substitute a non-dairy, you know, like a smoothie or a non-dairy uh, drink in there instead and how will that process go. So I'll be very interested to talk to Karina to find out, like, are there some tactics I can use to kind of get her off the bottle? Mainly, I think the issue is going to be the psychological because for her that is the comfort before she goes to bed. But then the second layer of that is got to cut down on the dairy, got to cut down on the dairy, as you know, as a vegan. 
Well, look, I can I can totally get it. Like anything that is a part of the bedtime glide path, you don't want to mess with, right? Mm. Because if this happens and this happens and this happens, then run down, then bed. Yeah. You know, and any th- any messing with that routine is a real trick. So, man, I can only imagine the heartbreak. <laughs> like that's up there with Santa and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> that's oh, right. Oh, man. The bottle's gone. Just red-handed. <laughs> oh, full on. Well, we'll be speaking to Karina Savage. She's a, a pediatric dietitian. She knows about food for kids. Uh, we'll be speaking to her later in the show. But if you do have a, an email that you have sent us, we might be reading it next. You can always email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. That is where we are. You can also DM us on the gram, dadpodgram. JJ has written, JJ's a long-time listener to the show, wrote to us very early on. It's great to hear from JJ again. I have to say something, considering we've had two years of pandemic and now we're on the brink of nuclear war. <laughs> Things have been great. Great. Good. Good to hear. Glad to hear. Seeing the the bright lights. (laughs) Yeah. That isn't a nuclear flash. Good on you, JJ. <laughs> Our little one's amazingly well-behaved, but there's been challenges around her sleeping. First 11, 12 months, slept like a dream, and uh, now hates going to bed, ends up in our bed in the middle of the night, five nights a week, pretty much refuses to nap during the day, slowly improving, but it's our biggest challenge. And um, then get the... I don't have soppy music to play, but this is the beautiful part, man. I love this show. I'll say that three years ago, my statement on kids was always 50-50. If I have kids, great. If I never have kids, great. Now, I don't just see having kids as great, but to me, it's the greatest thing to ever happen in my life. If I do nothing in this life but bring up my daughter as best I can, I can honestly die a happy man. Oh, man. I agree agree with with those sentiments 100%. That was exactly exactly my perspective before being a dad. If we have kids, great. If we don't have kids, then great. I'm very secure. I'm happy in my relationship. But having said that, oh my God, it is so wonderful. And the the, the great thing about it too is the, the rediscovery of things. We took Iona on her first train ride yesterday and it's like, oh, of course, cool. like she's never been on a train before. She's seen them in books. She's seen them on, the, on, on TV and stuff. And to actually uh, get on the train. She was so delighted. We went like two stops, but for her, it was, we might as well have been going to the moon and back. And the idea that I get to, by proxy, re-experience all these things, I'm just like in my head lining up all the firsts, you know, she gets to do. It's yeah. going to be great. I think. And yeah, you're right, mate. Like if you can just make that kid, if you can give them a safe, secure, loving home, then that is the greatest achievement. Everything else kind of falls by the wayside once you have that priority. But I think that what JJ is referring to, and and it's certainly true in my case, is that if you're able to do that, it means that you as as a man have changed and you as a man have refocused your priorities away from yourself and your own selfish wants and needs and refocused them around this kid. And to give that to that kid means you have to become a different person and you have to grow and you have to change. And all those that growth and change is in a great and positive direction, which does make you wildly better at everything else, which I've certainly found since Georgia's been in my life. I mean, Georgia became essentially my stepdaughter around 2015, seven years ago. And just who I then became because of this person in my life changed enormously. Mm -hmm. And that that happened to be a wonderful benefit as well as the joy of, of, you know, being there for this kid super good don't envy you the no naps in the day no. i'm terrified of that charlie wolf is just starting to yeah. starting to miss them 
And, you know, like a, like a spaceship returning to Earth, you know, sometimes it just skips off the atmosphere and just like, boom, out into space. Like, fuck, okay. It's going to be in like eight hours, yeah. eight hours to go. It's more challenging, but I do <laughs> find it makes bedtime much easier. Like if they don't have the nap, like if Ian doesn't have a nap, then bedtime's a breeze. Like she's unconscious by the, t- by the time you finish wow. that second book, she's ready to go. And it's like, oh, thank God. Not the case. Oh man, not our boy. Oh no, no. <laughs> oh, our, our boy just gets into this altered state, yeah. and it's really sometimes. And no shit, I have taken him for a walk up around the block in pajamas, holding a bunny, yeah, just to change gears because he just gets in this. Yeah, they get overtired, don't they? Yeah, and he can't. The adrenaline of the stress of not being able to rest pushes him to be more awake, and so we will go out into the street in the by already dark, you know, and go and look at trees and touch the bark and look at leaves and walk down and see the neighbor's dog and then give it another shot in half an hour because that's once we're in that room, mm. it's really tough. So uh, I tell you what, JJ, we've got Karina Savage. She's a pediatric dietitian. She's on the show uh, as our guest today. And I tell you what, we might ask her about feeding and stuff like that around a kid who's who's missed naps. So thanks for your email. If you do want to write to us, askdadpod at gmail.com. It's always great to hear from you. We'll get Karina on in just a sec. We are very happy to have back on the show one of our favorite guests, Charlie, Karina Savage. She's got a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics. She's mother of two. She's the founder of smartbite.com.au, which are trying to give happy tummies, happy kids, happy families. That's all they're about. We're yet to quiz her about her sports science degree because, um, you know, I particularly would like to know. the. We want the gains. Yeah, the programming, the particular resistance protocols to maximize hypertrophy and <laughs> testosterone release. But we're here to talk about toddlers. Uh, Karina. So can you bench great. press a toddler? That's what we want to know. <laughs> yeah, can I, I have. Come on, who hasn't done baby presses? We've all done baby presses. We've all done baby squats. Hey, you got a baby, you, you know, go to gym. That's back, what I say. <laughs> who was that? Was that Chuck Liddell? No, who was it? He was, um, you got a baby, you got a gym. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Karina. How are you? Are you well fed? Have you eaten today? I am very well, thank you. I am good. The kids are at school. As you say, you, you go to work for a break these days, don't you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, last time we spoke a little about food refusal and you, you mentioned that we were lucky because Wolf is in full, like the peak of his powers of of refusal time. And w- we're noticing though that it's not all the time. We sometimes get uh, photos from daycare or videos from daycare, like proof of life stuff. And um, they'll send us footage of him sitting around a table with eight other kids with a spoon in his hand, just shoveling food into his mouth. Like they'll give him another bowl sometimes. You're just getting it in there, using forks, using spoons, shoving it in there, eats everything when he's at daycare. The moment we pass through the sliding glass doors, I don't want this, I don't want that, picking up a bowl, throwing it across the dining room table. Sometimes he'll have he'll use the spoon once and then unless we actually use the spoon or fork, no food goes into his mouth. I, I don't know how we can connect the two. Osh, can I, can I just interrupt and say, sometimes you tell stories about Wolfie, it sounds like you have an inmate. Like the way you're describing in there, sitting there with his arm <laughs> curled around the bowl, prison style, like shoveling food in, then throwing the bowl yeah. across the dining room. I mean, he's had prison riots when he doesn't want right. to sleep. Like, 
I'm, I'm worried right. for you guys. Well, I don't know. Is it bad that we're watching Gamora together? We're up to season four. I mean. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, he speaks fluent Italian. That's the best part. I tell you, he's a smart kid. He's a yeah. smart kid. Everything that you've told me means he's a smart kid. Because he does what he wants at home, right? And they, you know, at home they've got free reign, well, a little bit more, to show their autonomy and to exert, you know, their independence and and say no, basically. Whereas in their peer environment in a childcare setting, they're much more likely to be influenced by what the other children are doing. And also they, I guess, probably aren't as confident to refuse. I mean, I've certainly got many patients that their parents tell me that they don't need childcare, but a lot do and then come home and refuse either because they feel that they can say no and perhaps get the Nutella sandwich afterwards. I'm not saying that happens in your house, but certainly um, children can be full because they may fill up at childcare as well. They may be tired by the end of the day. They may have had their fill for the day and not need much um, for dinner. So there's many reasons why children don't eat well at dinner, especially if they've had a big long day at daycare. And I think it's about offering him something perhaps small, not too overwhelming, but still healthy. And really on the dinner plate, I say to parents, aim for like a third protein, a third carbs, a third veggies. And those veggies may be raw, they may be frozen, they may be tin, they may be baked, whatever. But I think it's just about trying to offer those healthy foods and let him go for it. And certainly try not to spoon feed him because he's at the age where he can do it on his own and mm. you want to encourage that to happen. And I think sitting down with him where you're eating, you know, one of the, the parents are eating, and he's eating, so you're both, you know, doing your own feeding, That that's important. And if he wants you to feed him, it's like, well, no, 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 daddy's feeding himself, you feed yourself. And so just trying to sort of push back and, and get him to, to feed himself a bit more. Finger foods, utensils, toothpicks, you know, keeping it fun can encourage their interest to self-feed. But at the same time, sometimes as parents, we just have to have more confidence to set some clear boundaries, still remaining very calm and happy about it, but, you know, telling them that these are the boundaries, whether it's, you know, when we eat or for how long we eat or what we're eating. Um, it's our job as parents to provide these this structure for them and then it's their responsibility to do the feeding and we need to respect which foods they choose and how much they want to eat. But I think it's trying to just set up that structure around meal times, which will pay off in the long run. It's not necessarily going to get him eating, you know, all the colours of the rainbow now, but it will certainly pay off in the, in the months and years to come. So just to allay, allay my and my wife's, you know, consciences, if he starts to refuse and if I'm sitting down and eating with him, which is a little tricky because I'm celiac, so I try not to eat around him because sometimes his food gets, you know, there's cross-contamination and I need to be quite careful around that. But I understand what you're saying to is encourage the, oh, I'm seeing dad do it, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and you've mentioned before that dad has quite a bit of influence over, over the child, which um, I won't tell Audrey because that does make me feel like a champion. Um, <laughs> so if he says, no, I don't want to and gets off his chair and runs away, yeah. Is there a point where, like, when you're trying to settle them for a nap, eventually they just give up with the crying and just fall asleep? Is there eventually they go, I'll oh, stuff it, I'm hungry, I'll eat something? Or do they just carry on? Well, I think it's just about saying to him, well, Wolfie, this is the meal time. This is the opportunity to eat. And you don't have to eat what he's eating and, and you don't have to eat your full meal. You might just eat, like, a little bowl of salad. Like, mm -hmm. just, he sees you eating salad. Or you might just eat a tiny, tiny bit of what he's having that's obviously safe, so you wouldn't eat anything yeah. that's a, a risk. 
what his mum might. It depends on who's around at the time. But um, certainly I think if he's done and if he's really not hungry, not engaged in the mealtime whatsoever, you say, Wolfie, if you're leaving, that means mealtime's over. There's no more food. You know, you can have something, you know, half an hour's time for supper or whatever. But dinner's done, right? And as long as he knows that, then that's important. And you've got to follow through then with that as well. It may be for parents that really struggle to get children to start at the table, you might set a little timer and you might do like a sticker reward system to get the child to sit at the table for more than three minutes. And that's where I said, you know, like a pop quiz or, you know, some basic fun engagement at the table can be really um, valuable because there's a lot of evidence around the importance of family meal times and coming together for that small amount of time in the day, connecting, and that's really valuable. So if we can get families to start eating together more often, it's going to be wonderful because he's going the other way more and more with our busy lives. You know, kids are often just stuck at the table eating on their own. So many of my patients that I work with, the families that I work with, the child doesn't eat with the family and, and the child never sees the family and the pet, the parents eating the foods of the family. And, you know, whether it's different cuisines, the children are being, I guess, raised on very basic bland foods when the parents are eating delicious foods and the child would probably like it, but the, he's mm. never seen, you know, the child's never seen that the parents eat that food. So it's um, really important to try to introduce the children to the foods of the family and the culture because they'll eat foods that are familiar to them and children are naturally inquisitive about food, but not if they're not hungry. And then you got to respect that too. They've got little tummies, so they fill up quickly. And that's why they do need to snack and graze throughout the day because they, they need to that constant fuel. I mean, I remember growing up having older brothers and sisters and uh, the best snack I ever saw them eat was they'd get two slices of tip-top white bread and they'd put tang, you know, the orange uh, <laughs> the orange drink tang oh inside the God. bread. Oh, my God. <laughs> that eat a tang sandwich. So I don't know that, you know, as a child, that <laughs> the uh, nutritional example set by my older siblings <laughs> was particularly healthy. <laughs> to quote Bandit Healer, it was the 80s, man. It was a wild time. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. Well, so once your child's got a bit of a taste for or has tasted chocolate, I've got a really great black bean brownie. This is like chocolate baked bean brownie. It's gluten-free. And it's a tin of black beans, three eggs, it's got coconut oil. It's a super, it's an awesome snack for, um, for kids, gluten-free, nut-free, and, um, yeah, it's better than, than the white tip-top. So that's on my <laughs> website too. <laughs> Uh, Corinne, I had a, a question about dairy. Uh, I, I own a, uh, we're sort of in the process of weaning off the bottle. It's mu- at this stage, it's much more of a psychological thing than it is a nutritional thing. We know that. It's just a great way between bath time and bedtime to get her chilled out. It sort of just lets her know that we're getting to sleep time. She busted me the other day. I've been slowly watering down her bottle <laughs> because I'm trying to sort of like decrease the amount of dairy, but she she caught me. And now like, She's so suspect. Charlie used to manage a nightclub on the Gold Coast in the in the nineties, <laughs> and uh, exactly that's his right. former business practices are coming into play here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So she got me watering it down. But is there a way, like when your child has like it's a comfort food, it's not a reward like a treat, like ice cream or or you know a cake or anything like that. It's more of a comfort thing. Is there is there a tactic with food that I can employ here to sort of create some separation or, or give her the power to kind of create the separation from her attachment to this food yeah and i guess also um a question is what vessel is is in a bottle or is it in a sipper cup how does she drink it yeah she has it out of a bottle we went to a cup for a short time and then um we went back to the bottle just because it was just easier but now we're trying to 
get her out of that stage, but not very successfully. Yeah. And she's, how old is she again? Uh, she's almost three. She's like a month younger than, than Wolfie. Yeah, look, I think it's about trying to perhaps substitute for something else. It, and it also depends on how much milk she drinks over the day. So for a child of, who's almost three, I would say limit to maximum 400 mils of milk per 24 hours because over that it really can knock off their appetite. And I've certainly I've seen kids that drink over a litre. Whoa. I saw an 18-month-old once drinking a litre and a half a day. And, and basically they weren't eating anything and they were inefficient <laughs> because they were just filling up on milk. So I think it's it's fine if she was having a bottle or two per 24 hours. I wouldn't go over that 400 mils. At um, her age, it would be better if it was moved to a sip of carp. And yeah. whether that's formula or milk or a milk substitute or basically moving her even over, you could look at doing instead of, I mean, it's more that comfort, I understand that. I think... Watering it down is fine, and at some point you, you're probably just going to have to say, well, instead of this, we're going to have this yummy smoothie <laughs> or this yummy yogurt and um, fruit uh, because it's the action of the feeding from the bottle as well. You know, it's like when I used to breastfeed my kids to sleep as well. Yeah. It's that comfort. So I think watering it down is fine, mm. and it wouldn't go over that 400 mils per day, but I think at some point it's going to be like, well, instead of this, you know, maybe she gives her bottles to the Easter Bunny or something and we wean her off that way onto a substitute. So instead of the bottle, she has like, yeah, smoothie or fruit and yogurt or not too much um, protein powder though. <laughs> so I, I think Charlie learned his lesson from the other week. Yeah. So I guess that the, what you're saying is it's really about the routine and creating the same neural pathway of now we're getting towards bedtime. So it, it, we're just mm. doing a little Indiana Jones here where we're swapping the bag of sand for the, the, the golden idol. We're going to take the bottle <laughs> and we're going to put down like, you know, like you say, yogurt and some fruit or dairy alternative smoothie or something like that. I mean, at the moment we're kind of, yeah treading both lines because she does get supper and then a bottle, like she gets a little snack after the bath and then a bottle. But I think, yeah, if we can, yes. well, it was working for a while. I don't know what happened. I think we went through just a bad sleep regression patch. And so we were just doing anything to kind of get her back into that comfort level. But that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. We still keep it in the same framework of you've had your bath, we're quietening down now, low light in the bedroom, comfort, 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 and then hopefully get into bed. Yeah, and if you can swap the, the bottle for like a sippy cup or, or just one mm. of these, I found mine has really went well with the basic cups with just the straw. And yeah. just moving it to a more age-appropriate drinking vessel would be better than the bottle. And then okay. and then you can move off the formula. Look, formulas, I used to say probably for the first 18 years of my career, it's just, they're just a marketing ploy for this age group. But nowadays there's a lot more evidence around the benefit nutritionally of them staying on formula past the age of one, probably up till, you know, two or three, because they're fortified with a lot of nutrients. The actual, the protein load is less. It's more in line with what breast milk is. So yeah, it's fine for her to be on that up until, you know, her age, but it's more about, yeah, that whole bottle comfort. And I think, yeah, you do you just have to find other ways to comfort them and, and create a new routine slowly. Yeah. A lot of your work, you work with parents all the time, but I own her like Wolfie. She's got a lot of words and like any toddler, they understand way more than we can speak to them. What are some ways that they might be able to help Iona have some agency in the bottle no longer being a part of this routine? 
Um, you could talk about bottles being for babies. Does she have any little babies that she bottle mm-hmm. feeds? Yep, yep, yep. She's got a couple yeah. of baby dolls, yeah. So perhaps coming at it from that angle and saying, your babies need the bottles now, but you're a big girl, so you, it's your turn to now, you know, give the bottle to the babies and you're moving up to the next stage. If that doesn't work, then you could try her giving it to the Easter Bunny or, <laughs> you know, literally going hardcore and cold turkey and bottles are done. But that probably wouldn't be the approach I would take. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about just trying to work out, you know, yeah. what's going to work. But at the end of the day, she's not going to be having a bottle when she goes to school. So often we get so worried about this and then looking at the big picture, it's not going to be a big deal. Again, if she's on okay. the bottle for another few months, don't worry about it. Like it's not going to be the end of the world. We did have a question, Karina, from JJ, who's uh, another longtime listener for the show. JJ's toddler is refusing to nap in the day. Now, she's definitely in the day nap territory. It's not like the nap's disappearing, like Wolfie's starting, which is terrifying. Um, (laughs) How might JJ be able to adjust feeds uh, around when when the nap is missed or perhaps use mealtime as what Charlie's describing earlier, using the mealtime as a pathway in the glide path towards a nap? Yeah, look, I think children, well, I know children respond to structure and as much as possible with mealtimes, we need to to stick to structure and they seek comfort in that and they thrive on that. And whether or not she's napping or not, I would definitely try to stick to the same structure of timing for meals and snacks. And often I work with, and same way I remember when my daughter was young, when she'd had that big sleep in the middle of the day, morning tea and lunch were sort of smooshed together. Um, So naps can interfere with, you know, structure, but you've got to just try and stay as consistent as possible that suits the sleeping style for the child for their age. But if they're really not napping much at all, then I I wouldn't muck around with the routine for, for meals and snacks too much. I would keep that the same. And then obviously working, you know, with specialists such as a sleep consultant or whoever, I'm sure they're trying to seek other advice around settling and, and sleep. But certainly I remember a, a baby in my mother's group that the mum literally had to drive in the car for half an hour, three times a day just to get a child to have like a tiny bit of sleep. And yeah. um, some kids just don't sleep. But I wouldn't necessarily change the meals around, but I would make sure that the child was given enough food. So we really just need to keep feeding young children until they say no. So with babies, what we it's called responsive feeding. So we keep feeding them the solids, obviously the healthy solids, until they're like turning their head away and they're done. And, and that's when they're full. So sometimes parents, not very often, but sometimes they give them their sort of serve and then we're done, meal time's over, but the baby potentially could keep eating. So and again, it depends on how much breast milk formula they've had. So making sure that we are feeding the child enough food to make sure that they're satisfied so that they are feeling full and, and can go to sleep with a you know full belly that's just one I would think to consider and sometimes I would say give them like a savory followed by a sweet so give them their hot meal or their savory lunch and then follow it up with some you know fruit yogurt or whatever so that they are nice and full going into bedtime so that they have good sleep so I guess there's those factors to consider in relation to making sure we get the best out of their sleep mm-hmm. It's so amazing to hear you speak because you're just this font of knowledge for so many questions. Like I've kind of figured out how to feed myself as an adult and now (laughs) there's this this little child 
Uh, I'm still getting there. Uh, but this little child, like, I'm just so lost. But hearing you speak and the conviction, like, oh, these are just problems. There are answers. We just have to find them by listening to someone like you. It makes me very grateful. We run out of time to ask you about how soon after a giant workout we should be consuming how many grams of protein, two, <laughs> two fats or carbohydrate, and, and, and how do we make sure that that protein load is absorbed maximally overnight to increase hypertrophy. But we'll talk about that next time. Uh, <laughs> next time. Karina Savage, smartbite.com.au. You can find her online. You can find her Instagram, smartbite. Um, you're an absolute legend. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, mate, what an episode. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of hungry after that kind of very food-focused show. I don't know if we're allowed four meals and two snacks. I think that's the babies. I think we're meant to limit it a bit. Are you kidding, mate? I'm on the gain train. I'm like, swallow is the goal and size is the prize. All I want to do is get massive. And no, uh, four, four meals and two snacks. Uh, that WBFF is, is on the way. I think we've learned something today on Dad Pod. I've certainly learned that around helping Wolf eat like he eats at daycare, use that peer pressure essentially, baby see, mm. baby do, eat with him, show him that I'm putting food in my mouth. So he goes, oh, this is the part where we put food in our mouths and also letting him know, well, this food's going to be here if you get up and go. This food's only going to be here for five more minutes, three more minutes, two more minutes. Okay, we'll have to have, to have some supper later because dinner time's over now and just sticking to that. Yeah, I've learned when it comes to uh, getting rid of the bottle, nothing beats a substitution, maybe a sippy cup <laughs> or a bowl of yogurt and strawberries or maybe creating a story around the idea that the bottles are going to a baby or the Easter Bunny's taking them. Oh, I don't know. I'm a writer. I'll, I'll come up with something better than that. Usually it'll be some kind of action angle. Maybe I'll say that, you know, uh, 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 John Matrix from Commando, he needs those bottles for his mission. <laughs> and then in 10 years' time, I can actually show you the film I'm referring to. But, yeah, also, so the other thing I learned is not to stress about it too much. There's not many uh, five-year-olds going to primary school drinking from bottles. It'll happen when it happens. Hey, Iona, where are the bottles? They're under the cupboard to the left. What? You expect <laughs> me to smell them? I did. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> what am I quoting Commando for? It's the stupidest it's movie pod. of all time. <laughs> it's dad bod. Yet it has possibly the best use of a circular saw blade. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Let us some steam, Bennett. <laughs> Oh, now we're getting. We'll have to do a Schwarzenegger dedicated. I reckon we could. I reckon we could do a we Schwarzenegger dedicated episode of the show. We easily could do that. If you do want to get in touch with us, askdadpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram, dadpodgram. Find us online, rate, like, subscribe, review, and send this episode to a dad or a mum or someone who's expecting or someone who's struggling or someone who's like, shit, I'm alone. You're not. We're all in this together and our kids are going to be fine. Until we speak next time. Don't touch that. <laughs>